We live in a society where it's hard to get a decent job without a college education. But let's be honest, a piece of paper isn't the only thing that lands you a job. Employers want people that have education and experience. The experience is a full-time college internship that combines both formal academics with practical hands-on training outside of the classroom. While in the experience, students take accredited Bible classes at one of the top 20 Christian colleges in the nation, while gaining world-class leadership training from one of the nation's largest and fastest-growing churches. With several degree programs and track options available, the experience allows you to tailor the internship around your personal and professional goals. So maybe you're a young adult looking to pursue vocational ministry, or maybe you're just looking to gain some professional skills and strengthen your biblical understanding before chasing after your dream. Either way, the experience can help you forge a foundation of faith, character, and leadership to equip you for the road ahead. At some point, we all seem to find ourselves struggling or stressing out about finances. We all care about our families, our homes, and our dreams for the future. But sometimes concern about money seems to take over every aspect of our life. How different would your life be if you didn't stress about your finances? What if we could be free from constraint to be in charge of where our money goes? What if we could be prepared for the future and be generous to those around us and support God's work on the earth? What if we could leave a legacy for our children and be blessed to bless those who come after us? I don't know about you, but that sounds like the way I want life to be. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? So good to see you guys, especially if you're a guest. I want to welcome you. Glad to have you here with us. We're grateful you would worship with us today. Uh, before we get into the message, I want to highlight the announcement you just saw about the experience and, and, and help you understand a little bit more about the what and the why. I, I'm super excited about this myself. For uh, many years, I would say seven or eight years at least, maybe even closer to 10, we've been sending some of our students away to an experience internship at another church in a college there. And uh, we've been looking forward to the day when we could host our own. Instead of having them go somewhere else to be a part of that, we wanted them to be able to do it right here at Grace Life. And so finally, through a whole bunch of work, uh, we're ready to have our first class of college interns uh, in the fall of 2020. Come on, somebody should be excited about that, right? And uh, the, the reason is very simple. We need to always be excited about the next generation. Uh, for any of us that are, you know, we've got a story of maybe it was when you were 30 or 40 or 50 or, or maybe even just a painful 25 after college when you figured out who God was and what he was doing in your life and you're thinking, man, I wish I could just have back some of those years that were wasted, right? I mean, come on, that's some of our, our story here in the room. And uh, the good news is, is we, we, just, we don't want that to happen. We, we've got kids we see getting dropped off and, and G kids, and they walk out memorizing Bible verses saying they love Jesus, and then they go to youth and, and see God uh, show them they have purpose for their lives even as a teenager. And so the idea would be that we don't lose uh, a group of people for years or for a whole generation, right? I mean, come on, that's what this is all about. And so we're excited to be able to do this 
right here at Grace Life. And let me tell you just a little bit about what happens. This is for anybody who is in college. Maybe you're getting ready to go off for your freshman year. You're not 100% sure of, of what you want to do or, or what you want to study. Truth is, maybe you know exactly what you want to do. And all of these courses that you'll get credit for are transferable. Maybe you're already in college and you're looking for a, a little more purpose or a little more direction. Uh, maybe you're, you're a junior in high school and you want to get a little bit ahead of thinking about this. So in about a month, uh, they're going to put this on the screen for you here, the date, we've got an interest meeting coming up. So if you're a parent or a student of any of those, those folks that I just described, and you want to know how the experience could work out for you, either as a year in college or maybe as a gap year or maybe just a year to grow in your faith and get some college courses at the same time, uh, we'll see you March 29th at 2 p.m. That means basically right after the third service. So can't wait. Anybody excited for that? I am. There you go. All right, well, we're in a new series today, and uh, when Jesus was on the earth, he would teach people the most practical things that he could. He, he would usually tell parables, and it was helping people understand life right where they were, the difficulties they were facing, and what God expected from them, how to live a godly life with what they were facing. And, and so we're, we're trying to basically do the same thing. So we just spent three weeks uh, doing a marriage series because in our experience as a pastoral counseling, uh, we, we do a lot of talking about marriage. That, that seems to be a pretty big issue. If you missed any of that, or if you here for the first time and you didn't get any of it, it's on our app and it's online, so you can go back and get some of that. What we're going to talk about today is the other hot button issue we run into as a pastor, and that's what to do with our money. That was slightly better than the first service. I'm impressed. I got a whole amen and a couple of chuckles out of you. That, that was kind of the response I expected. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend three weeks talking about the five B's, and, and we're calling this series B. It comes out of something I preached uh, a few years ago, and in just one of the messages, God gave me a sentence that had these, these B's in it. And uh, so here's the deal. We're going to learn how to be free, be in charge, be generous, be prepared, and ultimately be blessed. And uh, I think that those bees are a whole lot better than a bee frustrated and be broke, right? Come on, somebody. Yeah, there you go. And, and so I want to tell you up front why this series is so important because, and also why this series is so deeply spiritual. I know a lot of times people say, you're talking about money. That's practical. That's not spiritual. Well, there's nothing wrong with practical just for the record, but it's deeply spiritual because here's the deal. Not only should we not be broke and frustrated, but the way that we handle our money affects how we see God. You, you see, if you are broken, frustrated, and you wake up every day, you will find it difficult to say, man, I just, I just really think God is good. Because what you're saying is, God, I don't have enough provision. I don't have enough. And I, I need you to do something. And there's all that kind of angst that you have when you feel there's a lack of what you should have. And it's hard for us at that point to say God is good. Because the way we handle our money affects the way we see our God. Do you know that sentence is backwards? We're going to spend three weeks learning how to turn that around because it should go like this. The way we see our God affects how we handle our money. You guys get that? The way we see our God affects the way that we handle our money. So that's what we're going to be talking about. So as we begin, I want to ask you a question. What is your vision for your future? And are you taking the steps to get there? Matter of fact, do you even know what steps to take to get there? I have to be honest, I was praying just last week, and uh, I was praying something I've prayed many, many times. It's in my prayer journal, 
And uh, as I was praying it, God highlighted to me that I was doing absolutely nothing to make this prayer a reality. Don't y'all hate when God shows that kind of stuff to you? I mean, look, there are prayers in your life that are miracle prayers. You need God to do a miracle. Like, you know, the doctor says, we've got no answer on earth. And, And so you go to God and say, God, I need a miracle. But the reality is sometimes the things we're praying for are not outright miracles, and maybe they shouldn't be outright miracles. They're things that we want God to partner with us in doing. You guys understand what I'm saying? Let me give you my illustration here. In my prayer journal, uh, at the top of it, I have some verses that I pray over my life, things that I would love to see God do in my life. And so one of these I picked up a couple of years ago uh, is when I was reading about Moses, and it says, Moses died at 120 years old, and his eyes undimmed and his vigor unabated. Y'all know what that means? That means homeboy was running a marathon up until the end. You know, that's, that's the way. Matter of fact, the true story is he climbed a mountain and died on top of it. That, that's where he was. That's, that's kind of how I want my life to be, like, you know, doing this until the very end. I, I'm a music major. I used to be a, a band director, and so John Philip Sousa is one of my heroes. If everybody knows who John Philip Sousa is, if you don't, you did not grow up in America. Sorry for that. But John Philip Sousa conducted a concert, went back to his hotel, and went to see Jesus. And that's the way it should be. I, I don't want to spend a decade lying in a hospital bed with somebody else changing my diapers. I'm just being honest. That's my prayer. Like, come on, God, I don't want that. So I'm saying, I I don't really, it doesn't have to be 120. I'm not sure I want to live to 120. But I do want to live to a good old age, and and I want my eyes undimmed and my vigor unabated. I want to be, be doing what I'm supposed to do right up until the very end. And then God points out, you like french fries. And When was the last time you went to the gym? You know, you are donating to the gym monthly. Like, yeah, like, what's up? Seriously, come on, you know. And that's the whole point is we want something, but we're not taking any step to get there. I happen to like french fries and potato chips and many forms of potatoes, actually, however that goes. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you the steps for whatever the vision is for your life. And uh, the good news is these are just Biblical principles. Anybody ever heard of John Maxwell? He's like the, probably the most famous leadership guru on planet earth today. And he teaches in corporations and businesses all over the world. And, and people will ask him, where, where did you learn all of this stuff about leadership? And, and his first answer is, you don't want to know. And, and they'll press him over and over and over. And he'll finally just say, the Bible. And then they're right. You, we didn't want to know, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, the point is he learns it all from the Bible. Dave Ramsey will say the same thing. He's maybe one of the biggest financial gurus on the earth today, teaching uh, people everywhere, not just believers. And uh, they'll ask him, where did you learn these principles about finances? And he will say, you don't want to know. And then when they do press him, he'll say the Bible. And so I'm going to give you these five B's. They're five principles um, from the Bible that, that God has for us, and I think it's going to help us. We're going to do two of them today. The first one is be free and then be in charge. So uh, here we go. Be free. The how and the why we need to be free and in charge. Proverbs 22 says the borrower is the slave of the lender. Somebody say, ouch. ouch. There you go. Because here's the deal. Many of us don't go to work because we want to. <laughs> we go to work because we have to. And matter of fact, many of us have a job we hate, and we don't have the freedom to go and find a job we like because we're too busy doing a job that will pay the bills. Wow, wouldn't it be nice to be free? Proverbs 22 goes on to say, don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else. If you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched from under you. The principle is very simple. Avoid being in debt. 
and don't help others be in debt. Because when they can't pay their debt, it's going to become your debt. How foolish would that be? But here's the problem. You and I live in a culture where debt is easy and debt is normal. I mean, how many of you get those little things in the mail, little fake credit cards in them, and all you have to do is go online, type in a code, and suddenly you can spend tens of thousands of dollars, right? I mean, those, they just come in the mail all the time, right? Especially if you take advantage of one of them. Then 10 more show up. Have y'all figured out that's how that works? They're watching us from everywhere. Look, but here's the deal. Debt in our world is normal. And that means if we're going to follow some of God's ideas for our lives, we're going to have to live not normal, right? But this shouldn't be surprising because doing what God wants is not normal in every other way. Think about how God says to deal with your enemies. Our world says, go slap your enemy in the face. They deserve it. And Jesus says, pray for them and bless them. Our world says if somebody offends you, you have a right to like show them the hand. No more talking to them and, and treat them however you want. But Jesus says, forgive. And, and think about what he tells us to do with marriage and our moral choices. Look, everything about a godly life is already not normal. My wife and I began our lives in debt. We began normal. Some of you may know the story. Look, I know you don't want to talk about your own lives, so here's what I'm going to do. For these three weeks, I'm just going to tell you our own stupidity, and you can laugh at us and just enjoy. Uh, but uh, we began our lives in debt because I was a missionary. My wife was a translator on our missions team. Uh, she was a Romanian, and we paid her a whopping, incredible salary of $35 a month. Now, it was a second world country, but that was still not much money. And as the American, I was living off of all of the blessings and financial support of all of my friends that helped send me to the mission field, and it totaled up to an amazing $200 a month. We started our lives with $235 a month and visa, because that's just the only way we knew to make it work. We did a European honeymoon for two and a half weeks with visa. We moved back to America buying plane tickets on Delta with visa. We got our first apartment with visa. We got furniture with visa. We did everything. It was like we had a child. Let's go to the mall. You got visa? Sure, I got it. You know, it's like strapping into the car almost because we can't do anything without it. We found ourselves very early on two and a half times our annual salary in debt, and that did not count a mortgage. That was just from the result of the way we were living our lives, the way we were spending. And we thought, wow, how bad can this get? And we figured out it can get really bad if we don't stop. It's going to keep going. It'll be three times and four times and five times. And so we knew, look, this is going to be hard to get out of. But at some point, we've got to stop and we've got to make a change, which led us to number two, be in charge. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? And the answer is, many of us. See, y'all would have found that funnier if I hadn't just hurt your feelings because it's true. But here's what we do. Let me just give you the modern day translation of that verse. For which of you desiring to live a month does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough for the whole month? And yet, how many of us have found ourselves at some point going, man, there's just not enough money at the end of the month? Here's the truth, though. You, you can't be free if you aren't in charge. 
So we're going to start with how to be in charge. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and, and uh, for a little bit of shock value, I'm going to use a cuss word. I need you to know not all cuss words are four letters, but I'm going to cuss in church. Budget. Y'all are like, what's that man about to say? I brought my kids in here instead of taking them to G kids. I can't believe this. And a man going to go cussing up there on stage. <sighs> Look, here's the deal. I love this sentence. I did not write it. I believe Larry Burkett is the famous guy that gets credit for it. A budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Wow, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Look, at this point where my wife and I finally said, you know what, this has got to change we uh, had some friends say, well, you need a budget. And, and this was before smartphones that had budget apps that would connect to your bank and send you an alert every time you spent something and ask you, you know, which category you're putting this in. You know, like, it, it's just amazing how easy this is now. But, but there was a day before that, young people, just so you know. And, and my kids, man, my kids, they ask questions like, Back then, Daddy, like, don't go using the words back then. I am only 40-something. We don't need to talk like that. But back then, when we did a budget, here's how we had to do the budget. First of all, I'm a little bit of a nerd, and I've got a slight OCD tendency. Only slight, I promise. And so I love color-coded spreadsheets. And so I would print these things out, write the month on them. There would be columns and colors and everything everywhere. And so our first stab at a budget, it was nothing more than a joke. Because here's the thing, we were so broke that the only thing we knew to do was to keep using the credit card. But we decided that we would budget our spending. We would try to corral it. So we would just say, okay, this is what we're doing. And then we would wait until the credit card statement came in the middle of the following month. And I would get the credit card statement and I would color code all of the groceries one color and all of the eating out another color and all of the gas another color. And then I would total it up and go, how did we spend that much? Okay, if you are trying this, let me tell you, budgets don't work in hindsight. <laughs> budgets work the other direction. And so we were looking at what we had spent six weeks after we spent it. So we tried a new method. And that method was every time you buy something, you bring the receipt home, you write it down on my color-coded spreadsheet, and you put it in the notebook. We kept a three-ring binder on our dining room table. Yes, that's that was just sexy, wasn't it? That's <laughs> you come over for dinner. What is the ugly notebook in the middle of the, well, that's just that's that's our budget. The problem is we would lose some of those receipts. And then there were times where you didn't know what the notebook said, right? You know, you're out shopping, you want to buy something, you want to go out to eat. Do you have money? I don't know. Ask the notebook. Too bad. The notebook's at home on the table. So we would do this a lot. It was our normal way of living. We would just go shopping and we would get whatever we wanted. And then we would come home and look at the receipt and look at the paper and say, where do we put it? <laughs> well, maybe we'll put it under groceries. Yes, but it's a shirt. Yes, but all the shirt money's gone. Where are we going to put that? Well, let's put it under fuel. Well, the fuel money's gone. Well, we've got to buy gas. I can't do anything about it. And that is how we began our lives budgeting. Oh, my goodness. Let me just tell you, most people think that a budget limits your freedom. That is such a lie. The truth is a budget gives you freedom. See, when we were two and a half times our annual salary in debt, again, not counting a mortgage, it didn't matter what we bought. There was an oppression and if you've ever been in debt, if you are in debt, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There is a feeling of guilt and just oh, all the time. 
And so even if you go to the store to buy milk and you've got to have milk because you've got a kid and you've got to have milk, you still feel guilty because you know you're putting it on a credit card and you're going to have to pay more for it later. And you just know that. But see, once you have a budget, you can actually go out to eat and you can do it guilt-free. And it's the first time you begin to have that light feeling. So my wife and I are in our first budget because we were so broke, we, had a, we were finally able to have eat out budget. We could actually go on a date. Once a month, we had a $20 that we could go to spend at Chick-fil-A. But let me tell you, it's the best taste in Chick-fil-A ever because it wasn't going on the credit card. And once a month, we could eat guilt-free chicken. I mean, everybody else calls it Christian chicken. We, we call it guilt-free chicken because it was there. The money was already there. The bills were already in the budget. Everything was already paid. And there was an entire $20 left over for the whole month for us to have chicken and waffle fries. Come on, you were, you're jealous. You wish you could have them, don't you? See... Once you're in charge of where your money's going, the first thing you can do is actually make a plan to get free. Once you are in charge, you can get free. And, and the problem with being in debt is you always feel broke. You always feel it. The oppression never leaves you. And the reason is very simple. There's the truth. You will always be broke today if you're stealing from tomorrow to pay for yesterday. Think about that. You will always be broke today if you're still in from tomorrow to pay for yesterday. And that's exactly what's happening when we're in debt. And you may say, well, how did we get here? There's two ways we got here. And the first one, we don't want to admit to. But we're impatient. And if we're impatient and we go and get what we want right now, even though we don't have the money for it right now, that's another word. It's called we're immature. And nobody here wants to raise their hand and say, I'm immature, me too, pastor. No, nobody wants to do that. But that was the hardest thing that my wife and I had to do was to admit we were immature. We treated money like a child would. Just whatever I want, whenever I want, and hope that daddy's going to pick up the bill behind me. My kids do all the time. They've got like $3. They go to Target and say, what can I buy? And they try to get something that costs like 30 Well, daddy, you have money. <laughs> yes, I do. And it's going to stay daddy's money. You need to put that back. But that's the way that we would go shopping. We were simply immature. And the second way that we get there is because we're unprepared. I'm not going to talk long about that because we're going to talk about that next week. But the reality is things will happen. And we need to have money ready for when those things happen. Now, here's the thing, if you don't know this about being a preacher, if anybody aspires to be a preacher, just make sure you're ready to have God examine your life. See, here's what happens. God never lets me get up here and talk about things without reminding me the realities of them every single time. That's why I have never preached about being a kind and patient driver. <laughs> I do not care to work that out in my life. I'm personally good with being aggressive and having people blow their horn at me because <laughs> I can blow mine back and it works just great. And probably I've done that to some of you and don't know it, and I'm sorry. But anyway, here's the point, though. So as I wrote my notes for this series, I sat down on Saturday a week ago to do my taxes. And for the first time in 20 years, I owe money. And then my wife says, the dishwasher isn't working. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, it, it's, it's only been 10 minutes, and I owe money, and the dishwasher's not working. Go and find out. It's like not even turning on, you know? Sometimes it'll give you an error code, so you can, like, Google what to do with it. This, this, you just Google dead. <laughs> that's, that's all you're going to get. And you know what they say to that? Go to the store. But here's the good news. At any other point in my life, this would have been frustrating. It would have been angering, actually, because I would have once again gone, God, seriously, why does everything have to happen? And I know many of you have said that. Right? 
How we handle our money affects how we see God. God, why are you letting this happen to me? God, seriously, where's the blessing? God. And I just sat there and went, well, toughest decision I'm going to make today is, is it Home Depot or Lowe's? My second thought was at least I make enough money to have to pay taxes. You see, once you get your money in where it's supposed to be and, and you're in charge of it and you're free, then suddenly you can handle things that come your way in a very different way. So I hope the question some of us are asking is, well, then how do we get free? And the simple truth is you have to decide to say no. It has to become a conviction in your heart. You have to decide to say no today so you can say yes tomorrow. Now, here's the thing. Some of you have heard all this before. Some of you have heard all this many befores, and, and nothing has changed. And the same was true for my wife and I. We actually had a friend of ours, really good friends. They, they went to church with us, and they were cool. we, we hung out with them all the time and did stuff with them. And he would keep trying to say, hey, Jimmy, you know, because they, they were debt-free. Matter of fact, he owned his own business, and he worked typically about three days a week. He worked when he wanted, only if he wanted, because his cars were paid off, his house was paid off, he owned his business, he had lots in the bank, he was saved up and was prepared, and so he's like, I work for groceries when I want to, we go on vacations, uh, they homeschooled their kids, they literally controlled their lives, no one else told them what to do, they did whatever they wanted, whenever and however. And we would go over for dinner, and they would talk to us about it. We're like, man, that's awesome. And we said, man, that, we'd love to be that way. The problem was actually putting the visa away. It was inspiring, but we couldn't quite let go of it. We would go on vacations with them, and they would, you know, smile, pull out the cash, and eat with a big grin on their face. And I would be grumpy with my visa as I'm sliding it to pay for the bill. It's just, and how long did we have them in our lives? And then we had other friends, and we had other friends. So here's the truth. Many of you have heard this before. But my prayer for you right now is that many of you finally get frustrated enough that a conviction sets in right here. And you finally decide, I'm going to say no. I'm going to change something. I'm going to do something. You have to come to the reality of what you're actually doing. See, here's what I think really snapped for us is at some point when I'm looking at those credit card statements after we've been spending and spending and spending and I'm seeing the balance on the credit card and it occurs to me, we didn't spend that much in a month. We didn't spend that much in the last two months or in the last three months. I'm going to stop there because it gets worse. And the thought hit me. I am now paying for a shirt I've already gotten rid of and given to Goodwill because it's already gone out of style. I'm still paying for it. It occurs to me, I am writing a check to pay for something I ate last month. Come on, somebody with me, right? And at that point you go, this has got to stop. And so look, I, I don't have the, the time really to give you all of the practical tools that you need to get out of debt at this point. So I'm going to give you the best tool that you need. And it's called Financial Peace University. Emphasis on the word peace, right? Anybody who's ever been through Financial Peace University or something similar to it, help me out with some amen or something right here, right? Yep. Because it changes your life when you figure out that God has a plan for your money and it is not for you to always be broke and miserable, right? 
And so, look, that's why we do that as one of our life groups. We're actually uh, planning to start a new uh, FPU for anybody after this series that wants to go through it, a new group of Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. But I am just going to share with you just one little thing he talks about is once you get that budget, you put every payment you have in that budget. And if possible, you pick one of them. You put just a little bit of extra on that one payment. And then someday, my wife and I, two and a half years our annual salary, and that would be if we never ate a bite during those two and a half years. Right? Some of you, this may take two years. It may take three years. It may take five years. It may take longer. But you, you keep paying, and you see one of them go away. And then you take all of that money and you add it to another one. And now it goes away twice as fast. And you pay that one off and you take it and you add it to another one. And it goes off three times as fast. And it's like a snowball rolling downhill. And it's why they call it the debt snowball. But you have to get in charge if you want to be free. So I just want to close really with our story. And I don't tell you this about where we are today to brag or anything like that. We're in a really good place. I tell you this hopefully to inspire some of you and to give some of you hope. So from two and a half times our annual salary with no mortgage and no ability to get one and not taking vacations unless somebody would, would let us use their condo for free or whatever. And, and fortunately, we were blessed to have family that had beach houses. And so, you know, God's goodness would show up in different ways. We decided at some point we were going to change and so we did. And so then eventually we got to a point where we were able to move into a slightly larger house because we had four children and two of our kids were sharing one bedroom, which is not a big deal. But then one of our kids and our dog was sharing our bedroom and that's a big deal. That's got to change at some point, right? You know? And so uh, in 2011, we were able to, to get a larger house and even at that point, because we had gotten completely out of debt except for our mortgage, we were able to keep the other house. And so now someone's renting that, and that will soon be paid off, and then that will bring in even more money. And then we were able to overpay our mortgage to a point that we owed almost nothing on our house, and as a result, we just renovated it. And you've been hearing some of those stories that we've been doing for the last, seems like forever, but only nine months. And we've turned our home into our dream home. Now, some of you would say, dream home, Jimmy, don't you live in the summit? Yeah, dream home. And you may be thinking uh, a dream home is supposed to be 10,000 square feet on, on a beach somewhere in, or whatever the story is in Malibu. And I'm going to say, no, that's your fantasy. And that is part of our problem is that instead of having real vision and real dreams that can come true, we live in fantasy ideas and you know they'll never come true. So you just go on the same path you've always been on. So ours was an actual dream. And it still is. It's, it is a house in the summit, but it is now exactly what we always wanted it to be. And I'm pretty young, so it'll be paid off pretty soon. And you know what the plan is from there? Because I have more dreams. See, part of the plan is I, I don't plan to do this forever. I plan to do this as long as God will let me do it and as long as I am effective. Unfortunately, I know some pastors who, they, they don't take care of their finances and so they have to preach until they die. And the church starts dying with them. There will come a day, nobody freak out, I'm talking like 20 years from now. But there will come a day where I will not be very effective at reaching the next generation. And I want to make sure that my finances are in a place 
that I can then just show up and be a guest preacher on occasion. And my plan is that when they invite me back to be a guest preacher for the anniversary of Grace Life, I will fly in from the Caribbean. <laughs> that is my plan. Because see now, we don't have to take freebies for vacations. Matter of fact, just last year, I was skiing with my oldest son, who's right over there, and I taught him to ski when he was about 10, and we've gone skiing every year. And he, he looked at me and he said, when are you going to teach my siblings to ski? And that's when it occurred to me, I have more than one child. <laughs> and they're 13, 11, and 9. Like, oh my goodness, I really better get the, the uh, act together here. And, and fortunately, because we've worked on being free and being in charge, uh, and we have a budget, and we set aside money for vacations now. Uh, we were able to, to, the week after Christmas, to take the whole family on a ski vacation. And, and I, again, I don't stand up here and say that to brag, because I need you to understand something. I've only had two paychecks my entire life, either a public school teacher or a pastor. That, those, neither one of those are how you get rich, in case you're wondering. But if you put God's principles of being free and being in charge, you'd be surprised how much more you can get out of life when most of your money's not going to interest payments for yesterday. And you can begin to live a whole lot better. Matter of fact, we smiled the whole time. I never had to tell my kids you can only have the $3 thing on the menu. We, don't worry about that. We had the best vacation ever. My kids said it was the best vacation ever. My wife were going, and I are going to go to the Caribbean for a week for our 24th anniversary. You know why? because we're in charge and we're finally free. And you can do this. We can all do this. And as I hope to encourage you in this, I do just want to go ahead and say, look, we all have a different lot in life. And some of you will have the beach house. Some of us won't. But I'm going to close with showing you God's intent for you. And I need you to understand, this is not at the back of the Bible, like an add-on. This is at the very beginning when God is first establishing for himself a people on the earth and he says, this is what it should be like for my people. Anybody in here one of God's people? This is what it should be like. God says, for the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised and you will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. Sounds like free. <laughs> you want that? The verse right before it says this, There need be no poor among you, for in the land that the Lord your God has given you, he will richly bless you. If, don't y'all just hate the word if when you're reading the Bible. Like, God, this is good. God's going to do this. He's going to do this. If, if only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands, be free and be in charge is God's idea. So is be blessed. We're going to get there in these three weeks. We want God's intent for us, but are we willing to live God's way? Let me pray for you. God, we thank you so much that it is your intent for us to have a good, enjoyable life, for us to know and to feel that we are loved, we are provided for, that our needs are met. God, we know that it's not going to be the same for each of us, but we thank you that you are a good provider. And right now, we, we just ask you to forgive us for all of the immature and impatient decisions we've made 
that have stood in your way, that we've maybe even blamed you for the results. And God, once again today, we ask you, will you bless us as we make a change? God, my prayer for every person in this room right now is that there will be a strong conviction to say no more of the way everybody else does it. I'm going to be not normal. I'm going to do it God's way. And I pray that in addition to everything they do, that there will be a supernatural grace and blessing that you add on top of it. That what looks like will take two years, you help them do in one. That what they think is impossible, you make possible. God, I pray your blessing and your wisdom on every single one of us. If you'll just stay in a place of prayer, I want to talk to those of you that have made, yet to make Jesus your king. As Suzanne was saying over communion, every one of us deserves to pay for our own unholiness. But because God loved us so much, and he knew that the payment we would have to pay would be eternal punishment and separation from him, he made a way. And that way was Jesus. He sent his son to live a perfect life so that his death would pay for our sins, not his own. And then he was supernaturally raised from the dead so that we too may have power over death and have an eternal life. And the only thing that sometimes we miss out on is the connection that every one of us at some point has to say, thank you, Jesus, I want that free gift. And so if you've never done that, I want to help you do that here today, just right where you're seated. Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now, I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer here today is that you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everybody. Amen.